0: Thank you. What a wonderful day. Uh, hearing the kids remind us about love and, and, of course, the wonderful news of love on the way. Terry and Samantha, what a blessing. And Kind of strange, I guess, this morning, really, my message is what happens when love is not flowing among people. It deals with we've got two left in this series of messages on problems that we face, and this one deals with resentment. What happens when love's not flowing in relationships, and resentment sets up? And we're going to look at the example of Joseph uh, this morning. So we look at the scripture, but for our scripture reading, I want to read a single verse. It's found in the book of Hebrews, chapter twelve, verse fifteen. So I'm going to ask you to turn there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. You find that to stand in God's honor as I read the Word. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Let's pray. Lord, here we are. Good to hear from you, God. Thank you for this child, Lord, in Samantha's womb. Thank you, Father, for um, Father. just the different children of all ages here. Whether they're three or you know, 83. Uh, Father, uh, thank you that we're yours Father, I pray that Your message might go out today. And God, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of burdened or worried about me talking too much, Lord. It's funny for a preacher to say. But help me, Father, to listen to You as I speak. And Father, may we all just hear from You, Lord, in this area. Father, speak to our hearts, God. We need You. And Lord, we don't want to get in Your way. And Father, when a bitter root grows up, and causes trouble. It doesn't just stay in one, it defiles many. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, you might break that down uh, and that revival might come forth in us, Lord. In your name we pray. Dale Carnegie, uh, years ago, as he was speaking, discussed in Yellowstone Park there is a place there where there's a lot of trash that is thrown out and it's often visited by grizzly bears. And there's only one other animal that you typically see there with a grizzly bear. I mean, you know, grizzly bears are pretty intimidating. You know, I think you want to give the grizzly his space. But there's one animal that eats beside the grizzly bear in the trash. Now, The grizzly bear, you know, he's big enough, he's strong enough, he's tough enough to uh, get rid of this animal. But there's a price too high to pay. I'm talking about the skunk. So what happens at Yellowstone? You see the grizzly bear and you see the skunk and you see him side by side getting in the food. And, And he would like to, you know, get rid of that skunk. But the truth of the matter is, he's learned a very important lesson. If you kick a skunk, it stinks. And the truth of the matter is, guys, when there is an offense that goes forth, it's like a skunk. It stinks. It hurts people. The, the people are offended. They're hurt. Um, the people where the fence goes out, there's a relationship that's broken and it's severed. And as you look at this verse here, he starts out, he says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. And that's exactly what happens in this case. The grace of God is missed. We don't see the grace of God in each other, and then suddenly we say something that hurts. The person who is offended doesn't see the grace of God, but is thinking merely about himself or herself. The grace of God is missed, and there's this offense. And and, and that's what I want to look at uh, here as we get ready to go into uh, Genesis 45 and look at the example of Joseph. There are some stages that happen here. <laughs> When the grace of God is missed, first there's a surprise. We're like, "Did he just say that? Did, did I just hear that from her lips?" I mean, there's this shock. Like, really? Did I hear that? And and it moves from surprise to hurt and worry. You know, man, that, that, that ouch! I, I can't believe this. And and what did I do? Or, or or what happened here? And it moves from the hurt and worry to questioning, "Why me?" Why is this happening to me? And oftentimes, if this is not quickly resolved, the question goes to God. God, why would you allow this to happen to me? You're in control of everything. And if that's not dealt with and left in check, it moves to resentment. That bitter root that grows inside and, and, and it becomes a barrier that keeps you from God and, and keeps you from people who love you as resentment is set up. Now, that is the horizontal view. And as we look in Genesis... Uh, Thirty-seven, basically focusing on chapter forty-five. We're going to see example of Joseph and his brothers, and there's the horizontal view, and then there's the vertical view. Now, I've discussed the horizontal view. That—that that is what happens when that bitter root grows up, causes trouble. What happens with the vertical view? Well, guys, the—the the view, the focus is totally different instead of how this impacts me the focus rather is god the grace of god seeing the blessings of god the grace of god where is it work around me where is it work in me where is it work in other people and and when that tough situation comes that thing that pricks the heart that thing that hurts you what comes next is you say god i don't understand this but this must be part of your plan because all things work for good for those who love God. He's at work in all things and there's that understanding that God's bigger than my understanding and I can trust Him that He's at work thirdly for my good. And then there's the fourth question that comes in this when spiritual maturity's there. You ask the question, God, what are you trying to teach me? Now, I want to look. Now, turn me to Genesis 37 as, as we march through here. The contrast between Joseph and his brothers. His brothers often modeled a horizontal view. Joseph modeled a vertical view. And God's desire for us is to have that vertical view, that view of Him. We were able to ask that question, God, what are you trying to teach me? So let's start here. In uh, 37, we read the account of of Jacob and, and, and then Joseph down in verse 2. It says, Joseph, a young man of 17, he was tending the flocks with his brothers. And down in verse 3 it says, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. He made a richly ornamented robe for him. So what happened? Israel, he had missed the grace of God in his other sons. He saw this one son and he showed so much favoritism toward that son that he, he missed the blessing of his other sons, how precious they were, how they were a treasure to him. And, and, and so this other son, he gave the special attention, and I want you to notice how it affected the other boys. Verse 4, when his brothers saw their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So there was an offense. All this was handled horizontally. And, and there were broken relationships with the father and, and his sons. And, and, and Joseph became scorned because he was favored. And, and as you go down through the chapter here, uh, Joseph shares a dream that he had that he was going to basically to rule in the family. And, and boy, the brothers didn't take that good at all. And it's interesting, uh, as you come down here to verse 11... It says that his father rebuked him and he says, you, you mean mom and I too are actually going to bow down to you? But then in verse 11, we see that his dad, catch, we see a glimpse of a vertical view. He says his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Uh, his father didn't understand, but he said, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you working at here, God? What's going on here? Then as we go on in the Scriptures, we, we read that Joseph one day is trying to catch up with his brothers, and they've gone on ahead of him. And so finally, uh, we find him here, um, verse 19. I want you to see, (laughs) look at how the bitterness has welled up inside these brothers. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. You see, a bitter root grew up inside the hearts of of Joseph's brothers and and it it developed into a hatred where they were ready to to kill him and to throw him into this pit. And and Anyway, what ultimately happened is one of the brothers said, no, let's not do that. He had a plan. He wanted to get Joseph to safety with his dad. But basically what happened was he ended up thrown in that pit and then he was sold into Slavery. And as Joseph was sold into slavery, what's amazing about him, guys, is he keeps a vertical view. He continues with that view. Uh, We move over to chapter 39, and we see that Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, and he became his attendant. He was put in charge of the household, (laughs) everything that he owned. He said, Joseph, you're in charge. Uh, And I love it down here in verse 5. He says, the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And everything's going good. Although he's in slavery, away from his land, God's blessing Joseph. He's working in his life. Until suddenly Potiphar's wife looked at him and said, Ooh, that boy is handsome. Ooh. Matter of fact, look at verse 6. You see the very words there. (laughs) In the NIV, he says, uh, Joseph was well built and handsome. Woo-woo. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. And look how blunt the Scripture He says, come to bed with me. And she is seeking to seduce him, going after Joseph from a horizontal view. It would have been very easy for him to be flattered very easily for him to find himself in trouble. But, but he kept that vertical view. And I want you to notice this. What a, what a powerful thing. Verse eight, first he talks about her husband, Potiphar. He he said, with, with me in charge, verse eight, he told her, he says, my master, that's your husband. He doesn't concern himself with anything in the house. He, he entrusted all to my care. but then he comes down to verse nine, and he shares something even deeper that the vertical view he understands that this is not just about him, this is not just about Potiphar; this is about God. He says, "No one is greater in that, this house than I am my father i mean my master 's withheld nothing from me except you because you 're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? You see all this had happened to Joseph. This pain, this being ripped away from his family, being sold into slavery, being thrust into this different place, and yet God continued to bless him. What was going on? He was continually asking the question, God, what do you want to teach me? He wasn't eat up with bitterness. He he wasn't continually thinking about how can I get revenge. There wasn't a growing resentment. Instead, he kept asking the question, God, what do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me? What are you up to? God, I know you love me. I know what you do is for good. God, help me keep that vertical mindset. And so he continues forward. And and, and then one day, it was just too much. Uh, His wife came up to him. You know, he comes right at him. And he does the wise thing. He runs. By the way, that's always the best way to handle sexual temptation. Just run. Don't play with it. Oh, I'm tough. I'm strong. baloney. Just run. That's what he did. He gets away, but she accuses him of something falsely. And where does he end up? He ends up in jail. It'd be easy for him to get that horizontal view. God, you've let me down. I didn't do anything but obey you and follow you. And, and here I am, I'm sitting in jail. But that's not what happens. It's amazing. As you look at the Scripture here, Um. We're told that, that God blesses Joseph. Uh, in the end of chapter 39, he says, While Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness, granting him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. The warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did and then, as we read on in the next chapter, two other officials of Pharaoh come in there, a, a cupbearer and a baker. they've had dreams and they're trying to figure out what these dreams mean. Joseph gives them the answer as God reveals it to him. and I love it as you read the chapter, Joseph says, "This is not because I'm so smart, this is because God has shown me the answers. where's his focus on God? Joseph stays there. It's, it's incredible what a what a, a role model he is for us under the pressure <laughs> as he continues to look to God. And he says, all I want, guys, is I want you to remember me when the time comes and you're before Pharaoh. And unfortunately, as you come to the end of chapter 40, it says the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Then Pharaoh has these dreams. Two years later, we read at the start of chapter 41, basically uh, in these dreams, Joseph is brought before Pharaoh. And I want you to see how God works. (laughs) Uh, In uh, uh, verse 9 of chapter 41, it says, The cheap cupbearer, the guy who had forgotten Joseph, said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings Pharaoh was was once angry with his servants. He imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night. Each dream had its own meaning. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dreams, and things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position. The other man was hanged. Joseph was brought before Pharaoh. Joseph interpreted the dreams. Once again, Joseph gave credit to God. He was still looking to God. And God listened to his magnificent plan of, there's going to be this drought of seven years. And then, after an abundance of seven years. And, and Joseph said to Pharaoh, we're going to have the abundance of seven years. Let's store the grain. Get ready for, for the drought to come, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh listened to him and said, wow, man, God is with you. Your plan makes so much sense, and it's incredible. As you read in here how God raised up Joseph. As you come to 41, verses 39, he says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people. And submit to your submit to your orders only with respect to the throne will I be greater to you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. He went from the bottom to the top. It's just an amazing account through all the pain, through all the suffering, he managed to keep his focus vertical instead of horizontal. As he worked, and now we get into the section here of his brothers. Their time passes. There's the time of abundance. Then there comes the time of famine, and his family back home they're starving to death, and they need some food. And They've heard that there is food available in Egypt, and so they get some money together. And Dad says, "Boys, you got to go there, and you got to get us something to eat, so we don't starve to death." And so they head to Egypt, and then as they head into Egypt. <laughs> They end up coming face-to-face with a brother they had thrown into slavery. They end up coming face-to-face with Joseph. And it says here that Joseph immediately recognized them. Verse 8 of chapter 42. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, "You're spies, you've come to see where our land is unprotected." Now you know, I don't to say it here Joseph was godly, Joseph wasn't perfect. There was still some hurt in there. He's working through. He, he saw them. And, and he, he was taking a little bit of jab here. They didn't recognize him. So he says, you guys spies. So he put them aside for three days, man. He he put the pressure on them. And, and, and they began to listen. And, and they began to have their doubts. As you look through the Scripture uh, down at verse 21, they said to one another, surely we're being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. This was 13 years ago. It, but it but it's coming back it's haunting them there's the deep regret he says, but we would not listen that's why this distress has come upon us and then Reuben throws in his two cents, <laughs> didn't I tell you not to sin against a boy but you wouldn't listen so and he's it says in verse twenty three they did not realize Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. he turned away from them and began to weep, but then turned back again <laughs> He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes, and then he said to them, "I want you to bring home your little brother Benjamin." He had made them talk openly about the family, although he already knew about the family. Bring Benjamin! I want to see Benjamin. They said, "No, not that. Our dad. That would crush him. That would kill him. He 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 couldn't deal with that." He said, "That's that's what I demand." your your brother's got to stay here and, and you've got to bring him back and, and so they take off but they get home and they discover that the money they had given for all of the grain that they had purchased was put back in their sacks they didn't understand they thought that they were doomed of course their dad's like I can't deal with this I'm going to die now you're asking me to give up Benjamin I, already I'm heartbroken I can't do this and that went on until their tummy started hurting so bad that they had to have something to eat. And so finally he said, all right, you guys got to go. <laughs> you guys have to go. And so they go, and they go with that mission. They go with some gifts. They they go to pay for this grain. They go to get their brother Simeon back. And there's all this hurt. There's all this regret. And then it comes together in chapter 44 and we read about it, how how they they come before him and we read about Joseph weeping and crying as he embraces Benjamin, as he sees him, as as he remembers his family. And and, and there's just so much emotion that that is thrust through the chapter here. And then he says, I want you to to go back home. He he says, I want you to head back. And uh, as he heads back, as they head back, There's a silver cup that's in a sack that was placed in Benjamin's sack. (laughs) And so they end up turning around and coming back after they were pursued and caught. And it looks like now Benjamin is going to be thrust into Egypt and not go home again. I mean, everything looks terrible. All this stuff happens. And then chapter 45, and that's where I I really want to focus here. uh, (laughs) Chapter 45. Joseph could no longer... Control himself before all his attendants. He cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. (laughs) Is my father still living? His brothers were not able to answer him, but they were terrified. No wonder they were terrified, you know, after what they had done to him. Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold in Egypt. Do not be distressed, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Look, look at the focus. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there's been famine in the land. The next five years there will not be ploughing and reaping. God sent me ahead of you. To preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And so there was this incredible reunion. And it says they came together and they wept together, and Joseph wept over them. And he said, Hey, guys, I want you to come back. I I want you to come back here. I I want you to be blessed because God has blessed me. There's no resentment. That I, that I see lasting in Joseph. He's ready to, to welcome everybody back. He's he, he's ready for things to be restored. He's ready to push that aside as, as God is at work. Um, there uh, They go home. They bring back Dad. bring back the families. <laughs> it's a blessing that comes forward. And then we come over to chapter 50. And i just say this real quick. And then I have a couple lessons uh, lessons learned from this account. We'll close. Uh, Jacob the father dies. And the boys, uh, his brothers, says verse 15 when Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? You see, all this time Joseph continued to show consistently the vertical view, but they're still living in the horizontal. <laughs> they're still saying, yeah, but now that dad's gone, what if he chooses to, to zap us? I mean, he's got the power to do that. So they sent words to Joseph to say, and saying, Dad left these instructions. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they've committed in treating you so badly. Please forgive the sins of your servants, of the God of your father. And their message came to him. Joseph wept. And then they threw themselves down before him and said, We're your slaves. Look at Joseph's response, verse 19. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. God intended it for good to accomplish what's now being done. The saving of many lives. Don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Now, as looked at the example of Joseph, each of us has an opportunity to respond to being hurt, being offended in one or two ways. We can handle it from that horizontal point of view where it begins, <laughs> bitter root grows and it causes trouble and it spreads out and hurt others. Or we can seek God to give us that view of Him and, 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 and ask, God, teach me! Show me what you want to show me through this. And, and, and so just some quick, quick lessons here. Uh, number one, stop <laughs> and ask God. God, what are you doing? Before you get mad, before you let that grudge build, stop and say, God, teach me. Teach me what you're up to. And secondly, seek His strength. Isaiah 26, 4 um, tells us, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Seek His strength. Third, consider the other's viewpoint. Try to stop and and think about the party who hurt you. Try, Try to stop and have empathy. Um, Someone has described empathy as saying it's your pain in my heart. You know, try to get that point of view. i never forget one time when I was exercising at the YMCA. And there was this guy there, and he kind of had a big mouth, and he liked to talk about himself. And I quickly thought, what a jerk. And I have all this stuff going through my head about this guy. you know, Not nice, not godly. <laughs> and then I heard these women talking about how he had dated all of them that were exercising man, he was something else, you know, all this he's doing, you know, and, and oh, there was this, you know, anger. And I came so close to saying, man, you're just a jerk. I just had all this lump in my head. Well, afterward, uh, I ended up getting in the steam room and this guy coming in. And all of a sudden, he just starts opening up to me how uh, he was in the military, how they're, out of his platoon, there were only just two or three people who didn't die, how he had suffered from survivor guilt, and all this stuff. And I thought, God, I came this close to missing the opportunity to hear what was going on in his life, because I almost said, You're a jerk. Because the empathy wasn't there. Um God says, Be be people that, you know, that I can feel you're hurting my heart. Uh, next one here, stay positive. Search for God's lessons. Stay positive. Uh, Someone's written, there's two birds in the desert, uh, two main birds, the hummingbird and the vulture. He says, all vultures seize rotting meat, because that's what they look for. They thrive on that diet. But hummingbirds ignore the smelly flesh of dead animals. Uh, They look for colorful blossoms. The vultures live on what was. They live on the past. They fill themselves with what's dead and gone. Hummingbirds live on what is. They seek new life. They fill themselves with freshness and life. Each bird finds what it's looking for. We all do. Uh, Number five, share your heart with someone you trust. Man, that's hard to do. Ask God, if he hasn't given you someone, to give you someone that's heart-to-heart. Someone you can really be open to, honest with. Someone you can just bear yourself to and and trust. Um, Man, that's so important. And last one here. Discover ways of showing kindness to the other person. When you're hurt, it's really hard to be kind. Alexander McLaren, a preacher of old, said, Kindness makes a person attractive. If you would win the world, do not hammer it, but melt it. May God make us kind, even in the midst of hurt. Let's pray. Lord, uh, Father, as we have come to the end of this message, Father, I cannot help but believe there are some here um, who are struggling with resentment, Lord. Some offense has, Father, made way into the heart, and a bitter roots grown, and out of it has blossomed resentment. Mm-hmm. Father, uh, that makes us slaves, captives, Lord. That's not your plan. Set us free, God. I pray that you would remind us of the grace of God. You see, what that says is, I've missed the grace of God. You say, see to it, no one misses the grace of God. Remind us of your grace, God. It always comes back there. It always comes back there, Lord. Your love flows out of an awareness of your grace. And and, um, uh, Father, make us aware of God. Father, if we need to come to the altar, if we need to go across the aisle instead of just down the aisle, I don't know. But, Father, I pray that you might remove any bitterness, any resentment, Lord, among us, Father, uh, uh, whether it's the congregation or personal families at work, wherever it may be. Father, that you may work among us, Lord. Um, Father, someone has said we're most like you when we give and forgive. And Father, so I just pray that you would work in our hearts, Lord, in this time of set aside. Father, we we lift you up, Lord. In your name we pray.